The Tom Woods Show, episode 1169. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Homeschooling parents, it's going to be time to start thinking about next year before you know it. Let me recommend to you the self-taught Ron Paul curriculum, which I've been using with my daughters. It's going to preserve your mental health while it gives them a top-notch education. Plus, get $160 worth of free bonuses when you use my link, ronpaulhomeschool.com. Hi, everybody. Tom Woods here. We've got rather a young fellow today as our guest. It's Keith Knight, who is the host of the videos you will find on the YouTube channel, Don't Tread on Anyone, which I'm going to link to at tomwoods.com slash 1169. But in particular, he has just released a video called The Ultimate Red Pill. And this takes all the best anti-state public speaking you have ever seen, takes all the best snippets, smushes it together into one make-your-head-explode video. And I think it's such a service to all of us that I wanted to have him on to talk about it. Keith, welcome to the show. Tom, thanks so much for having me on. I've been uh, liking you since I heard you on Dennis Prager's show, and I was a uh, conservative uh, some some years ago. So this th- this is great for me. Thanks for having me on. So that did reach somebody. How about that? Okay, <laughs> that was a, you. You were a real youngster then. That was years ago. So yeah, uh, I I checked the other day, and that was in 2011, and uh, I was uh, just moving from sort of uh, supporting. Obama in 2008, 2009. Um, and then uh, I, I sort of moved uh, conservative after uh, that time, like uh, Dennis Prager. I liked uh, Dinesh D'Souza. But how old were you when I did that interview with him? I was probably 14 or 15. <laughs> That's crazy. You're just like me. I was listening to stuff like that at that age too. So, uh, and it was the same kind of content. And like you, I eventually, although it took me a lot longer, I eventually made my way to being a libertarian. Let's talk about this video of yours, The Ultimate Red Pill. A lot of times people think, what is that video that I can send to my friend? So my friend will either think I'm slightly less crazy than he thinks, or that curious friend who genuinely wants to know, look, I'm your friend, and I want to know what your passion is, what really moves you, and why. And so we we look around and we find this little two-minute clip and we're not totally satisfied. We find a 10-minute clip. We say, oh, this one's pretty good. But what you've done is you have put together a massive compilation. Now, it's not like you expect that your friend is going to sit through the whole thing, but the thing, my thinking about it is this. I don't know if you had the same thought, but for some people, for the people who are destined to join our side, they hit play on this thing and they think, all right, I'll watch a couple of minutes of this. And then they just keep watching and they keep watching, and they keep watching, and they can't take their eyes off it. And they don't want to admit it to themselves, but they can't stop watching. That would be, if I were you, the goal that I would have in making such a long video. Am I on the right track? Absolutely, yeah. So I really try and open it up with, uh, okay, give me 15 seconds of the best thing I got. And I start off with David Friedman in a quick clip. Then we go into Owen Benjamin. Now, the thinking is, is that we start off with an intellectual making a cool point, and then you get a comedian talking about something very serious, and and they talk about important things. So 
I really try to get right into it and not waste people's time. So even if people are on there for literally 30 seconds, you get David Friedman and a great point by Owen Benjamin, and it's five hours and 10 minutes long. And I basically did this to combat the university's I, I was watching uh, Ayn Rand on Phil Donahue's, and I forget how long ago that was recorded, but she said, watch out for the universities, their hotbeds for socialism and Marxism. And then reading into a guy named Antonio Gramsci had an operation or an idea, sort of the long march through the cultural institutions. Long story short, I'm like, okay, if I could get one school day, you know, six hours, of someone's time, if I could just get one school day compared to the five days a week for 12 years that people uh, are in government schools, if I could combat that with one day, what would I put into those six hours? So I found 66 clips, put them all together. I got people like, you're in there a few times. I got Michael Malice, Stefan Molyneux, Robert Higgs. I got... um, uh, Oh gosh! Now, now I'm blanking oh, on the name. No, yeah, but it's it's everybody. It's everybody. It's all over the map. Larkin Rose is in there. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it's from all over the spectrum too. It's not like it's just like it's a right wingy thing or a left wingy thing. It's an all wingy thing, and it's on all the stuff that we all agree on, expressed as persuasively as we can possibly express it. So, by the way, of course, needless to say, the episode uh, show notes page is a. Uh, for this episode number is tomwoods.com slash 1169. And needless to say, this video will be linked there. So I, I urge you to check that out. Uh, before we go on, you have a YouTube channel. Just say a word about that, and then we'll talk more about your video. So my YouTube channel is Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone. But uh, YouTube, uh, I went to look at an old playlist of mine. It had 200 videos that I added, and now 50 videos have been deleted uh, from you know, for, from different channels that I, that I just added to a playlist. So I've now started to uh, diversify my portfolio, and now I'm on BitChuteArchive.org, Minds.com, and I'm looking uh, to get a Steemit account. So, um, so, so yeah, that's my channel. I advocate uh, libertarian anarchism, voluntarism, anarcho-capitalism. Uh, I have uh, some great interviews with Scott Horton. I feel like they're really productive, even though they're long. I think uh, him and I go from I think the sinking of the main to um, the founding of ISIS in 2011. So we get uh, we cover a lot of ground. I have four hours of interviews with Larkin Rose, just me and him. Uh, I got uh, two hours with Stefan Molyneux. So uh, yeah, that's uh, basically my channel. All right. Well, that's that's great. I'll link to that also at tomwoods.com slash 1169. I'm not going to say your age other than, well, people probably figured it out from my thing. <laughs> right. So I already know you're age. Pretty, pretty young guy, but you got a lot of things figured out here. So based on what you know and based on some of the ideas that are expressed in this red pill video, and you're, you're trying to talk to somebody who believes in the state, which is 99.999% of humanity – where do you start? What's the first thing you say to get them to think differently? I would say the first thing uh, is violence is violence, even when a group of people called government engages in it. So a lot, a lot of what we see are euphemisms for this violence. Their theft is called taxation. Their slavery is called a draft. Their mass murder is called war. Uh, Sort of these things to get people to think consistently. So not really just memorizing arguments, but getting people to hold government to the same standards they would hold anyone else. So one thing I did uh, yesterday, 
there's a big red for ed operation going on in Arizona. And I was just talking to a guy and I said, uh, so what do you think about this? I don't force you to fund libertarian research and false flag history research. Is that fair? And he goes, yeah, of course. You shouldn't be able to force people to fund things they don't desire. And I said, well, would you extend that uh, courtesy to me that I just did to you? I really do feel that uh, after reading the works of, you know, John Taylor Gatto, uh, Anthony Sutton, Charlotte Thompson, Isabet, uh, Johann Fichte's address to the German nation, I don't believe public schools are a productive use of time, money, uh, would you allow me to opt out of funding those? Now, regardless of whatever he says, um, of course, he's not giving the, the, the myth up right away, but something like that gets people to reconsider their positions or, you know, something like um, you could ask them, is it okay to force someone to perform an action uh, against their will? And they'll say, no, that, uh, that's slavery. Well, uh, the U.S.'s closest ally on the planet, Israel, has a draft, which is forced labor. So things like these are the messages I try to get across to people. I try to communicate to them uh, to get them interested in volunteerism and uh, just uh, th thinking critically about uh, government. Well, in that case, they're more or less reduced to saying – my principle is nobody should be forced to do anything against his will unless I think it's really important. You know, that then that then they think, well, is that really a consistent principle that you, you would really want to uphold? Nobody should be forced to do anything he wants to do, doesn't want to do unless I think it's important. Is not is that something you would go to war to defend? You shouldn't be forced to do anything you don't want to unless we say you really, really have to do it. <laughs> like that's that's your political philosophy. But by the way, let, let me jump in with something that's uh, in the in the written word, just because I just reread it the other day, and we're talking here about really effective people, uh, uh, effective conveyors of the message. I was reading just one section of Atlas Shrugged, and I don't talk a lot about Ayn Rand on this show because I'm not. I don't think I would say I'm primarily influenced by her. But in Atlas Shrugged, if you read nothing else in that novel. The speech that's delivered by the worker from the 20th Century Motor Company is, I think, the best thing – and I've, I think I've read everything she's written. I think that's the best thing she wrote. And I actually think that if you give that to somebody who's, let's say, 16 years old, you will inoculate that person against socialism forever. I'm not exaggerating because in that speech, this worker is describing a company in which they actually implemented the principle from each according to his ability – to each according to his need. And they go from a very productive factory where everybody's more or less content to an extremely unproductive factory where everybody's at each other's throats. And you watch the stages by which this happens, and there is nothing implausible at any stage. Every stage is entirely plausible. You can see that that is exactly how this arrangement would work out and that the result would be as appalling as it is. I strongly urge people to read that. All right, anyway, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, except we're talking about being persuasive and who the best people were. When you sat down to make this video, were you just sitting there thinking, well, what are some of the best videos I've seen? Or did you think, I think these are the six or seven best speakers, so I'll go look for their videos? How did you start a mammoth project like that? All right, so I told you about the idea of sort of combating the 
uh, cultural Marxist, Antonio Gramsci, uh, the, the statist education system. So I just said to myself, all right, what is the best video if I could just give someone like two minutes, uh, a two minute video to check out? And then I found another one. I'm like, oh, I could find a way to put these together. Long story short, I had like five or 10 and after a month, I hadn't really done anything with it. And I don't know what, I just kept on coming across these videos. Um, and then I'm just, and long story short, I ended up with 66 and I ended up uh, putting them together. Uh, I really, really like uh, the, the ending. I, I end off with uh, Robert Higgs, uh, the state is too dangerous to tolerate uh, section of that speech, which I feel is, is really persuasive. It really gets at the heart of why uh, I'm a libertarian because of uh, state atrocities. Whereas previously, we, you know, we sort of talk about the logical applications, the rights applications, Basically convincing people there's two ways, back to Frederick Bastiat and Henry Hazlitt's ideas of there's two ways we can organize society, and this is another good opener for people. We can use coercion or we can use voluntarism. Ask them what do they use, and most people will say voluntarism, but the double standard is when government does something. For some reason, they have that double standard, so I think we do a pretty good job at uh, tearing down the double standard in uh, people's minds. Apart from inertia and just generally accepting ideas that everybody accepts and everybody seems to have accepted for a long time, how else do you account for what makes people believe in the state and its allegedly benign nature? Are there myths that are holding it up or are they falling into logical fallacies? Where do you think it comes from? So, yeah, it's definitely a mixture of historical myths um, and the ability to sort of change the story right in the middle. So where, whereas they'll start you off with the state is here to protect you. We need to, say, invade Iraq. They have WMDs. And after a couple of years, we're just there to protect democracy. Going back to FDR, we've been suddenly attacked out of nowhere, which Ralph Rako has absolutely refuted uh, in his book, uh, Great Wars and Great Leaders, along with a speech he gave at uh, Cato. Um, so they'll start off, the Japanese have attacked us. This is simply out of self-defense and self-preservation. Now the justification is because, well, uh, we were stopping the Nazis from taking over the world or things like, um, the, the Japanese just refused to surrender when, uh, this might be a case of transference considering Winston Churchill's famous speeches, we will never surrender, uh, we also have Joseph Stalin and the uh, communist operation openly advocated for uh, world communism. Uh, so for them to say that, well, we we're fighting against the national socialists trying to take over the world, th that I think is another case of uh, mythology, of sort of transference. Um, you have things like the USS Liberty that go totally unnoticed and undocumented, the Israeli attack on America in 1967, that doesn't really lead... To anything, whereas the Gulf of Tonkin incident uh, doesn't actually occur how they said it did. Uh, and then Robert McNamara comes out later and says, well, that uh, was actually an intelligence mistake. No one's held accountable. At the time, people are scared into uh, you know, sending thousands of people off, dropping more bombs on Vietnam than uh, the Allies dropped on the Axis. Uh, th things like uh, the, the Lusitania. So 
they can say something like, we went to war because we were attacked at the Lusitania. Even though the events were two years apart, the entry of the war from the attack. So you constantly see the state coming in as a savior. Another one, uh, how they get people on the other end is, uh, there's a great predator, and that is the rich man who seeks to sort of dominate you and exploit you. The best example of this is Donald Trump before and after the presidency, where he's supposedly in the private sector, this uh, profit-seeking billionaire uh, out to exploit the masses. People weren't afraid of him then, whereas they are now. This is a clear example of how it's not wealth or social power, as Rothbard uh, would call it in uh, Anatomy of the State. It's this political coercive power that we need to really fear. Even if you think John D. Rockefeller is is evil, the only way he can get rich is by meeting consumer demand in his oil field. Whereas, you know, if you know his grandson David occupies government, uh, we can definitely get uh, some terrible things from them. Bottom line, they're always trying to create this enemy, this evil enemy. There's racism out there. There's wealth inequality. There's terrorism. There's uh, there's Nazis behind everywhere. There's fascism. There's communism. The belief that all of these things can be solved by the state, it's assuming that just because something bad happens, the state is justified. Half of marriages end in divorce. That doesn't justify the state prearranging marriages. Half of businesses fail. That doesn't justify the state monopolizing all business. So those are a few of the uh, the gender pay gap is another one. We need to equal things out, therefore give us a ton of power, even though in 1963 they passed the Equal Pay Act. So the, again and again, you see this example of the state is justified to fight this evil tyranny. That's why you have to give it all this power because that tyranny is so great. What was the argument that in your personal case suddenly made you think, hmm, I haven't really been thinking about this quite the right way? As far as um, – Well, in other words, in the old days, you told me you were a pretty standard conservative, and conservatives don't say that the state is per se a problem. It's just that it's abused or there are the wrong people in charge or whatever. At what point did you say this This goes way beyond abuse or the wrong people are in charge? So I was actually hit on both ends with this one. So I had so I, I like listening to Stefan Molyneux. Thought he had a great reasoning behind a lot of his arguments. Still does. And so he was really making the logical case. And then when something like Bradley Manning, the soldier formerly known as Bradley Manning, uh, releases uh, collateral murder is uh, the name of uh, the, the whistleblower footage. And seeing that, it go, my mind went from war happens, there is collateral damage, no one's perfect too. Those, those innocent people were just murdered. Am I going to defend that? And seeing it really made it real to me. And that's, of course, why you get, um, I believe, uh, Anthony Gregory cited uh, Barack Obama having uh, gone after more whistleblowers than all previous presidents uh, combined. Uh, once that's real to you and you see it, then it just strikes this motivation in you. And that's uh, that's what really made me switch on something like foreign policy with things like taxation and regulation or, or, or he, here's a great example. I, I was a conservative and I'm listening to Ron Paul and in the debates, they said, should there be a minimum wage? And he said, no. And he basically said, no. And I said, all right, forget these people. They're lunatics. They don't even believe in a minimum wage. I then came across an article that just, that just came out and said, 
The minimum wage hurts the people with the fewest amount of skills, the least amount of experience. It also hurts smaller businesses that can't afford to comply with regulations along with the minimum wage, helping bigger business. It gives consumers less choice now that there's fewer businesses. It gives employees less choice, makes the markets less competitive. And the real reason we're behind, uh, we're against the minimum wage, it's, it's immoral to force people to contract a certain way when they're voluntarily engaging in an exchange. So it was the logical arguments for economics, holding people to the same standards. If I don't have the right to tax, I don't have the right to vote for John McCain to issue taxes on my behalf and, uh, and really seeing the atrocities of U.S. foreign intervention. Wow, geez. And to have this all figured out by your age, you know, man, I would have killed for that. <laughs> it took me a long time to put all those pieces together. I'd get one piece and then I'd lose another piece. Then I'd get that piece back and then the first one. But I would say, in my defense, I didn't have the internet in my day. I had to go back and read physical magazines. I had to go to the library and order books through interlibrary loan. You know, jeez, you young whippersnappers. But good, I'm glad. I'm glad the thing is getting out there. So have you had any response to your video? You know what? I've gotten very good responses. Uh, The main criticism being that um, it, it is very long. Uh, also, uh, some voluntarists have said, uh, well, well, first of all, to address the long part, yes, it is long, but the goal is to, to give you one day of anarcho-capitalist schooling to combat the 12 years of statism that, that we get. Um, so uh, that has been a criticism, but that's the foundation and purpose of the movie. A, uh, a lot of people have, have really liked it, and maybe... You know, the only ones who direct message me are the ones who are my friends who are going to say it's good anyways. But uh, I, I really uh, p- put a lot of thought into this. I really feel like it's valuable. I uh, g- got guys like Adam Kokesh doing men on the street interviews. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, overall, it's been very positive. I think I'm at like 2,000 views right now. But, um, but, but either way, I'm, I'm very happy with uh, the, the response overall. Yeah, it needed to be done. Needed to be done. And but by the way, those man on the street interviews are really adamant as best, if you ask me. He just lets people talk and then let's see where their answers wind up taking them because uh, a lot of people are answering questions that they haven't really thought about or that haven't. And in fact, I remember there was one interview he did. He was talking to uh, a huge guy who had been in the military who had overheard Adam saying something negative about the military and he was going to go let Adam have it. And now Adam's a big guy, but this guy was like two Adams, if I remember it correctly. And Adam just kept us cool, just talked him through it, asked questions. And by the end, the guy said, you know, we're cool. Yeah, it's fine. There's no problem with what you're saying. I'm not sure I could have done that. So, you know, hats, hats off to people who have particular skills. And man, does he have a particular skill. What's your next project uh, now that you've done this? Uh, retire? No. Uh, you, you know what? I was just thinking about that yesterday. My next, the next thing I really want to work on um, is sort of uh, understanding critical theory and political correctness. I think these are two very big ones. I also want to go uh, make a documentary on just a collection of lies told to us by the mainstream media uh, and basically government. Uh, yeah, and, boy, why has this not been done? I mean, yeah, I'm sure you can find little examples here and there, but not systematically. This is very important. That's great. But I, I think a great way to sort of attack the state is to 
uh, attack the high priests of statism. So showing the politicians themselves saying one thing and doing another. You can obviously find those examples in one or two, but if I put together, you know, another six-hour compilation or, or or something about that, then it right might really sink in that uh, the you know the the belief that well, without these people, bad things might happen. Well, uh, as a causal result of these people, a lot of things happen. And 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 who do you think is attracted to this sort of p- position of power? People come from all over the world to get a slice of this. U.S. government, uh, Madeleine Albright, uh, Soros, Brzezinski, uh, Kissinger, people come from all over the world to get a piece of this because they know once they're in, they can lie to the public, do whatever they want, loot the treasury, uh, lie about wars. Bill Crystal saying, uh, what did he say? The Iraq war will last two months. It's not going to be a Vietnam. A- and he's verified on Twitter, still gets a slot on Bill Maher, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, you know, smiling with George W. Bush. Uh, just mass murderers that people will forgive so long as they do it under this guise of statism. So my next project is going to be uh, really attacking the uh, uh, the uh, halo of legitimacy that uh, the state has. All right. Well, listen, that is uh, that's such a great project, and this is a great project. And I think um, you know, I want to see if it works. I want to see if you can send it to your friends. Will they just sit? I know maybe they won't necessarily watch it. How many hours long is it? It's it's a it's long. It's crazy long. It's five hours and ten minutes. Five but, hours uh, and ten minutes. <laughs> but again, compared to compared to what? Yeah, an episode of Family Guy. Okay, it's very long. But not compared to the amount of time we spend at government schools doing busy. Oh, absolutely work. right. No, I loved it. It's comparable to that. That's absolutely right. And then secondly, think about that moment when everything hit you and you decided, I have to watch every video I can on this. Well, now you don't have to scramble around looking. You know, you, you, can, you got it all there. Or you, when your friend writes to you and says, okay, wait a minute, I think you might be right. Well, instead of your friend having to scrounge around YouTube, it's all there in this one convenient spot. So uh, it's just terrific, and I love the fact that you have the – I don't mean to be condescending, but the now that I'm 45, I can talk like this about youngsters – that you have the youthful exuberance and energy because we sure need that. I want, I want more – we need more people in their 20s that I've heard of that are out there doing important work. Uh, there are some, but we need way, way more because we got so many Bernie people out there. Um, so I'm really glad that you're doing what you're doing. And I do want people to, to check out that video and your YouTube channel, both of which I will link to at tomwoods.com slash 1169. If you're not salivating at the, pro- I mean, look also while you're eating lunch at work, you know, and maybe, maybe you're eating by yourself in your cubicle or something. 10 minutes a day, you can watch a little bit of this and you'll learn a little bit each time and you'll, you'll be able to anticipate and respond to arguments more effectively. Anyway, I think I've sold it pretty well. So tomwoods.com slash 1169 is where to go for it. And Keith, thanks so much for what you've done. Tom, really appreciate your time. All right, before you go, check out libertarianhouse.com created by a listener of this show. The author Myla escaped the Soviet Union as a child. Very, very interesting background. She's now a stay-at-home mom and wife. Before the birth of her first son, she received an MA in biological anthropology and an MPH in nutrition and worked in health research. Her website, she says, exposes government and establishment misinformation and goes after feminism and Hollywood 
She says that she's arguing in favor of unconventional choices all the way from, let's say, grain-free eating to homeschooling. So there'll be a lot that you'll enjoy over there at libertarianhouse.com. I'll link to that also at tomwoods.com slash 1169. And remember, you can get a nice shout-out like this if before you start your site, you get your hosting through my link. You're going to get the best deal that Bluehost has, and you're going to get publicity from me, plus membership in my bloggers group, and other great bonuses that will help you as a beginner get started in all this. So how to get those things, check it out at tomwoods.com slash publicity. I'll see you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.